Welcome to Eurovision Queens! Welcome to Eurovision Queens, a podcast exploring and celebrating the biggest TV show on the planet, the Eurovision Song Contest. I'm Andy, and the contest has always given me euphoria. And I'm Ryan, and compared to Andy, I'm playing catch-up. However, my knowledge is rising like a phoenix. Oh, I see what you did there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that took a little bit of thought. And it feels like we've not podcasted for ages, so we're going to do a little... Not to them, it doesn't. (laughs) Two weeks, but (laughs) we've not podcasted for like, well, probably only two weeks, but still. We need a bit of help, don't we? We're going to have a little podcast beverageano. Yes, podcast beverageano. (laughs) A little little snifter. Shall we go for it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like we're opening beers, but... (laughs) The brand is Deluxe, and the cocktail... Can you have a cocktail in the can? Potentially. Yes. It's a passion fruit martini. Mmm. Yeah. A little taste for the pot. Oh, cheers. 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 Mm. Wow. That's that's not too bad. (laughs) So the podcast may get a bit loose a little bit later on. (laughs) It's going to grease the wheels, isn't it? Yeah. Now, I believe we are getting noticed. We've arrived. (laughs) I think we've arrived. (laughs) <laughs> so obviously we do these a little bit in advance yeah. of them going live, but we've had some lovely interaction from some famous people. Famous in Eurovision fam- circles. Famous. Well, actually, well, no, the first one's famous. She's just famous. Yeah, we um had some very nice... Well, we had lots of likes from... And sharing. And, share, and sharing from Michelle Gale, our Juice Award winner a couple of episodes back. Yeah. And my dear friend from when I was about 10 or 11, <laughs> when I met her that, that time. We've also heard from Anna Celine, who represented Estonia, but is now living in Stockholm, who sang Runaway in 2002 and did very well that year. And we've also heard from the amazing, the incomparable Lindsay Dracus, who represented the UK back in 2001 with No Dream Impossible. Mm, she um, commented on our Instagram just she today. Did, and we, we had a little exchange. Yeah. It was really we're, lovely. We're best friends now. Well, okay, let's say She that. invited us to her next gig. Friends, friend she's, of the pod. <laughs> she's Lindsay Drake. She'd like to see us at her next gig. But that's an invite. That's an invite backstage, isn't it? That's an invite backstage. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But they also both shared onto their stories, so that was really nice of yeah. them. So thank you very much for that. So it's about time I gave out another podcast shout out. This time we're going to talk about the Eurotrip podcast. Specifically, its latest series of episodes, which is hosted by Rob and James. And they're doing something called The Contest and Me. And they're interviewing people who, again, famous in Eurovision circles. <laughs> about their experience of their connection with Eurovision over the years and how they feel about different songs, their favourite contests, and, yeah, just what it means to them, favourite moments. And also um, things like how can the UK keep up its momentum after Sam Ryder's success and also what changes they'd make to the format of the contest. It's a fun show. It sometimes gives me real envy that these people have had such access to Eurovision. (laughs) Um, But I'm always interested to see what people choose. Um, in terms of songs and contest editions, which which year? So and you're always yeah. available to guests. I'm available, but the problem is it <laughs> seems to be levelled at experts. You know, official experts. I'm an unofficial expert, a self-certified expert. <laughs> exactly. I think you're an expert too. Well, so there we go. That's the podcast um, for this episode. Check it out. It's called the Euro Trip, and the particular episodes they're doing at the moment is called the Contest of Me. So go listen to Rob and James. It's well worth a bit of your time. So what about our podcast? How does this work? Right. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Because I've forgotten. I've had one drink of a martini. One sip of a martini. (laughs) One sip. (laughs) Each episode, we aim to play seven different Eurovision songs from across the contest history, based on seven different categories that were very carefully chosen. What are the first three, Ryan? So the first three are time-locked to different periods in Eurovision history, 2010s to present day, 90s and noughties, and then 80s to the beginning. To the beginning, right back to the beginning. Gosh. I feel like we're not going to go back to that far. Yeah, well, the randomizer might take us there. 
Yeah, well, spoilers. Yeah, so that's another category that's the last one of each episode is the randomizer where we hand over to the Eurovision gods and that just picks any song from any contest. But we've also got another three and they include a UK entry, a song that came second in Eurovision and also the Juice Award awarded to a song that should have gone to Eurovision but didn't at a national final. Mm. So they're the seven songs. So, does that sound like fun? Yeah. <laughs> a bit more enthusiasm. <laughs> that sounds like great fun! <laughs> so, if you're on board, it's time for that familiar anthem. Our first category, which is tens to present day, what we got? Well, we're going to Iceland. 12 years ago, 2010, this was one of the favourites going into that year's contest. And the song is called Je ne sais quoi. This is Hera Beer. was Hera Björk with Je ne sais quoi. What a great way to start oh, the show. We're starting strong. <laughs> we are. <laughs> we're like proper party mode already, yeah, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. Like, no messing about. Clinking our passion fruit martinis. <laughs> clink, clink. <laughs> clink, clink. <laughs> so what did you think of that performance? I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed this, this song. The song's so cool and it's just really fun, but it's really simple. Yes. Like, the staging isn't overly complex, but the song does everything. Yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah. yeah. 
I like the colours and the staging as well. So mm. they're all in burgundy and the men are in black suits with a burgundy tie. And there's, there's, there's nice choreography moving around the stage, but it's simple. It's not trying to get in the way of the song. And behind you've got this fantastic star field mm. that year in 2010. And that, that really does help make it feel like such a huge deal. And the crowd are going wild. Well, it makes you feel like it's a proper night out, doesn't it? With yeah. all those lights and it yeah. just the simple camera movements of, of mm. everything really just lets the vocals punch through. Yeah, exactly that. So you're getting quite good at this. <laughs> I'm going to ask you two questions this time. Oh, gosh. Okay. The two questions are as follows. Right. So it did qualify in the semi-final and it got to the final. No yeah. surprises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you to tell me what position did it qualify in from the semi-final? So how did it do in its semi-final? What mm-hmm. position? And also, how did it do in the final? I feel like it probably came first in its semi. Yeah. And fourth in the finale. Right. You're quite wrong. (laughs) Am I really? (laughs) You're close in terms of the semi-final. Third in its semi-final. Okay. But no one ever understood what happened in 2010. It was 19th in the final, having come third in the semi-final. 19th. It only got like something like 40 points. Oh. And it was one of the favourites. So I don't know what the heck It's It's happened. those people that only watch it on the Saturday night ruining it, isn't it? Like, they need to do a basic quiz to have the right to vote on it or something, yes, I feel. but it's just odd, isn't it? That that could be <laughs> overlooked. Because we watched that performance maybe, on the night and thought, well, definitely it's one of the I feel maybe it was a couple of years too early because... Aren't the 2010s, wasn't it like it got good in 2012 and then it got better? So maybe it was just a little bit too early. Because that's a banger. Well, well, 2012, you know what 2012 is euphoria, isn't it? And 2011 is the weird year. It is that weird hinterland, those middle years I don't like. Yeah. Like 2008 to 11 are probably my least favourite. Yeah. Yeah. That would make sense. (sighs) But poor old Hera Björk, singing that well, performing that well, thinking... Oh my God, they love me in the semi-final. And they did. Third place with 123 points. In the final, only getting 41. Yeah, you'd feel pretty confident, wouldn't you, going yeah. into that? I and mean, she wouldn't have known her points in the semi-final. She would just know she was qualified as one of the 10. Oh, okay. Because they're always announced after the contest. What the oh, because otherwise it would be yes, unfair, wouldn't it? It would be unfair. Very unfair. Do you want to know a bit more about Hera Björk? Yeah, definitely, please. She, she is very close in age to me. She is two weeks younger than me. Wow. Only. Okay. So almost brother and sister. That's how I feel about it. That's not how brothers and sisters work. (laughs) Brothers and sisters have to be at least nine months apart. (laughs) And she doesn't know how brothers and sisters work, apparently. (laughs) You'd be in the same year at school. I don't think you'd be brothers and sisters. What I mean is in brothers and sisters of time. Shall I change that? Right. Of time. Mm -hmm. We'd have all the same references. No, we wouldn't because she's in Iceland. Probably a very different daily life involving lots of fish and being cold a lot. Mm. That's all that happens in Iceland, isn't it? Apparently so. Wow. Honestly. <laughs> this got racist fast. <laughs> I'm very sorry, people. Eep. <laughs> <laughs> so she's two weeks younger than you. Yes, that was that was all my information. <laughs> well, that's all her Wikipedia page says. She is two weeks younger than... One of the co-hosts of Eurovision Queen. All you need to know. It's all you need to know. Good. Oh, apart from her full name, which is Hira Björk or Holz Dottir, because Dottir always means daughter of this person. But yeah, so much information on this person. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> all the facts. All the facts. No, I have got some other facts. She's put out various albums over the years. My favourite title of which is The Scent of Christmas. The scent of Christmas. <laughs> yes. So that's like people farting after a Christmas lunch, isn't Brussels it? Sprouts. Brussels sprouts. <laughs> Brussels sprout farts. Yeah. The scent of Christmas. Grandma farting in the corner as well. Mm-hmm. It's not all about farting, is it? Christmas? Someone that spilled a port. Yeah, that port on the floor. Trying to get it out of the carpet. Yeah. yeah. All that sort of all stuff. All that. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the album's about. Love that. Anyway, that is, that is as much you're going to get out of me about Hero Björk. I'm sorry. That's fine. <laughs> I was there with all the points and the scores. The thing I do like about Iceland, though, is they never do the same thing twice. They really don't, do they? They really like It's random as heck. Yeah. (laughs) Like the wild card. Mm. I think it's time to move on to our next category. This was one of my favourite songs from the 2001 contest. They represented Lithuania. Who are they? They are Scamp with You Got Style. (laughs) 
That was You Got Style by Scamp. It was. In that difficult Oof. 2001 year, the stadium, which is, is the biggest Eurovision ever was, they never did it that big again because it was a mistake. It didn't feel intimate. Everyone mm. looks lost on stage. As we mentioned last time, Lindsay Dracus looked lost on that stage despite being such a presence and mm. singing so well. Everyone looks lost on that stage. We've also had Rollo and King, didn't we? Um, yeah. I think it's also <laughs> that the budgets don't match the stadium because there's six people on stage. Yeah. They they've, look like they've got been to a jumble sale. Yeah, they look like they're they're on. People are more dressed up than that for a night out on on the lash. You know, like yeah. it had um, hen party stag do sort of. Well, two of the, the two guys um, who are supporting the lead female singer, they were wearing like an Elvis costume and some sort of like seventies disco yes black pvc suit and then you've got the three idiots who are in big wigs and just wearing like flares and stuff yeah her her costume's better yeah the the brown she'd have been better on stage on her own yeah the brown sheeny trousers and the golden chiffon sleeve top yeah you're right she would have been on she would have been better by herself although so i think they were slightly inspired by an american group and they'd only been there, was probably about 10 years before, but they've really put me in mind of them. Oh, Delight. Yeah. Yeah, now that you say that, now that you've made me connect those dots, yeah, yeah I can see It's the see way that she's completely. like Lady Miss Keir in the middle. Yeah. With her cookie 60 sensibilities, and they're wearing sort of yeah. weird gear at the side, and yeah. But it's the three backing singers in their bright coloured, poofy wigs that just look like they've just stumbled on stage from the crowd. Yeah. From the free bar in the back or something. Yeah, like they've been to a football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that, that. Yeah. 
Again, this is one of those times on the podcast where we see the live performance and it doesn't match with our experience of the song since because this has been on so many playlists for, for 20 years for me. Yeah. So, you know, I love this song. I love every part of it. And yet it's not the song that was performed on stage. It is to a degree, but it just wasn't ever going to be as good as, you know, the live version. Yeah, there's a lot of words in there, aren't there? There's there's not many beats of quiet. Mm. So to, to rattle through those is, is a lot. Yeah. On the stage, especially. So the members of Scamp included Erica Jennings on vocals. And she was actually um, Irish, but spoke Lithuanian. And I think was living in Lithuania at this time. Then you've got Victor V. Diawara, who was born in Vilnius, which is the capital of Lithuania. And I think he was in that terrible group a few years later from Lithuania that sang We Are The Winners and did really oh. well. Oh, dreadful. So we can't forgive him that. Good, way too good for that yeah. as well. And then there's Vilius Alicius, who's also on vocals. So the group Scamp rose to fame in 98 in Lithuania with a very different song, a very cool cover of George Gershwin's famous musical song, Summertime. So we're going to play a bit of that in now. They're sort of just effortlessly cool, this group. I know, yes, it's 20 years ago now, but they still had a sensibility and a way of presenting music that I felt was very correct for the time. <laughs> and You Got Style was very different to everything else that year. It felt funky, it felt new, mm. very different to usual Eurovision affair. And yeah... I, I enjoyed it a lot, and I still do. Yeah, I enjoy it on your playlists that you've played for me. So, <laughs> you know, I, I know it enough yeah. to like it. Yeah. So how do you think it did on the night? Oh, I, I think it probably bombed and came not quite last place, one from last. Oh, really? So it was 13th. Oh, okay. It's not too bad. Not too bad. Middle of the table. Middle, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at that time, that was Lithuania's highest position ever in the contest at that point. They hadn't been in it for many years, to be fair. That's one of their best performances. Um, unfortunately, the best performance is that bloody We Are The Winners, which was sixth in mm. 2006, which less We shall not be doing. That. I bet the, the randomizer is going to play that one for us oh, today. Surprise. <laughs> we might have to lie to the listeners and not include it. Yeah, they released six studio albums in Lithuania after Eurovision. Um, they also supported loads of groups you'll have heard of, um, like the Black Eyed Peas and Wheatus. Um, so, you know, this wasn't their only rodeo. They they did a lot and won awards in Lithuania as well. And quite right, too. Interesting. So that was Scamp with You Got Style. And next, we've got our 50s to 80s. What we got? Well, we're going quite a way back this time. We're going back to the 60s to one of those curious Eurovision oddities. One of those songs that didn't win the contest, but it's probably one of the most famous Eurovision songs of all time. Songs like Valare. RS2, and this one falls into this category as well. So this is L'Amour et Bleu by Vicky, representing Luxembourg in 1967. <laughs> Keep 
L'Amour est Bleu by Vicky. We know her now as Vicky Leandros, but she represented Luxembourg in 67 as Vicky just then. Oh. Yes. So what did you think? Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, it's all right. I, I think, you know what? I can kind of hear this on like uh, like a Quentin Tarantino film or something. Yes. You know, and them using it for something bizarre. Yes, absolutely it, It's that. got that taste to it. Yeah. What I love about it is it's got this, the song, the vocal has a really hard Gallic confidence. Mm. It's that strong female vocal, which is kind of a bit cutting and a bit sort of like, mm. I can't I can't put my finger on it. It just feels strong the, and quite masculine in a way. Mm. But I don't know. It's the juxtaposition of the vocals to the orchestral music, yes. I suppose, isn't it? And also, I think there's a, there's a load of French and Luxembourgish women from that time who who are very punchy singers mm. oh, and um, the other one we've already had um, who sang Poupée de, Poupée de Son mm-hmm. um, France Gall very similar sort of hard but very tonally striking voices so one thing you said while we watched this this was the, the age of the park and bark wasn't mm-hmm. it where people <laughs> just turned up and they get to the microphone and they just well, belt it I feel like it's very much a song contest as the song is what's being marked and graded yes, so yeah. you listen to the song so there's not lots of camera work there's very there's not many cutting from yeah singing to orchestra you never see the crowd obviously no. well they're all in evening wear aren't they yeah. they sat there <laughs> very lightly tapping we should say something about what she's wearing. She's very a la mode for 1967. <laughs> she's wearing very thick Egyptianate eyeshadow, looking very much like um, like Nefertiti's eyes. And she's got a black Chanel-inspired bob. Uh, yeah, I have a question for you. How old do you think she was when she competed? Oh, God, it's back in ye olden time, so she's probably only 14, but looks <laughs> 50. <laughs> What's your guess? I would have thought she would be at least in her late 20s, but is she 17? Exactly that. <laughs> oh, my God. She's 17 only. Can you believe it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Life was hard back then, it wasn't it? It was. <laughs> By the time you got to 17, you'd had some knocks, and you'd... Honestly, it's quite <laughs> terrifying, isn't it? I mean, we are. We were watching quite a poor quality version, so let's, let's say that was yeah. a bit rough as well. Yeah. So this song was composed by André Pop <laughs> and the lyrics were by Pierre Coeur and there was later an English language um, version of it. It's called Love is Blue, obviously. Mm, My okay. French is so good. <laughs> <laughs> Vicky Leandros wasn't actually French. She was Greek and what well, Leandros gives it away. She obviously had greater success later on when she won the contest in 1973 with Apre Trois. Oh, OK. Yes. Beating out um, Begsteel and Borrow to the top place. <gasps> I know. Rude of her. <laughs> There's beef with previous guests of the show. <laughs> yeah, indeed. 
I'm calling them guests now. Let's call them guests. <laughs> Let's just say we're friends with all of them. So what position do you think this came in the contest in 1967? Well, you've already told me it didn't win, but it kind of won, so third. Okay, I didn't say it kind of well, won. Well, you know, it's the one that everyone remembers. Yeah, well, it's known, yes. Um, I believe it was fourth. Yes, it was fourth. Um, <laughs> third place was Il doit faire là-bas from France, Ireland, if I could choose for second, and the winning song was Puppet on a String by Sandy Shaw. Mm, okay. Yes. So um, she didn't win the contest, but as, you, as we know, she went on to have great success. And I heard a brilliant interview with her on Eurovision Legends, and she was so affable and so open about her experience of Eurovision and how much she'd enjoyed doing it. And yet she's one of those few people who got worldwide fame from it. With this song and Apretoire, they went both went global. But actually, this one, L'Amour Bleu, is was even more successful than the one that won it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Back when Eurovision was only just over ten years old. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Thank you for listening to Eurovision Queens. Why not come and have a conversation with us on Twitter at EuroQueensPod or if you're on Instagram, we're Eurovision Queens where we're uploading lots of very exciting reels. On both of those, there's also a link in our bio to our Spotify playlist for everything that we've played in the show so far. Back to the show. So we're back from that short break. We've swigged a bit more of our passion fruit martinis and they're going down a little too easily, let's say. (laughs) (laughs) What do we have next, Ryan? Up next, we've got I Will Never Give Up On You by Lucy Jones, who represented the UK in 2017. That's right, she did. Mm -hmm. In our UK entry slot. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me your secrets, I'll keep them safe. No sign of weakness, it's a sign of faith We'll stand tall So you don't fall You're not defeated, you're in repair Don't have to call me, I'll always be there We'll stand tall So you don't fall If you could see how far you've walked you would see that all's not love I will never give up on you I don't care what I've got to lose Just give me your hand and hold on Together we'll dance through this storm I will never give up on you You're the one that I'm running to Just give me
that was Lucy Jones with Never Give Up On You. I think it had a slightly more casual title in the end. Doesn't matter. Um, representing the UK in 2017 in our UK entry slot, no less. <laughs> so let's talk about that performance. Oh, how uh, should we break it down by the song and then by the performance? Because well, can I also just say how excited we were about this uh, back in the day? We were so excited. We thought not you together yeah. was before you. Pretty, pretty Ryan. Unimaginable, but yeah. yeah exactly, continue. Exactly. <laughs> um, we were certain it was going to win. Well, not win. We thought it would do really well because mm. she was such a strong singer. The song was had been brilliantly arranged. Mm. The video when it came out was like, oh, oh, the wheels are starting to fall. <laughs> the video came off, came out, and the song was slightly different. And they take out two or three of the boosts where the moments where you thought, oh, this is charging up the song. Mm. And then, of course, the the biggest problem we've just had it is the performance. Tell mm. me what was wrong with the performance. <laughs> So I've got a theory that she didn't have arms until very recently. uh, Yeah, like she had arm surgery and she just didn't know what to do with her arms. And it's like, oh, I've got these new arms. I'm going to use them. And there's lots of like, just like, mm, yeah, and it's just too much. It's just intensely like arms, 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 arms. This is one of those times. Remember that episode we had about confidence? And people were just confidently <laughs> singing their song, but they weren't overdoing it. Mm. This is the most oversung song I can think of. But the singing-wise, if you if you close your eyes and listen to the yes. song, it's a really good song. But because of her expression. But, but I also think because she's trapped in this cave of mirrors yeah. to make that effect, so it reflects her from above. It makes it look. She's even more really intense. contained yeah. in, so that's all she can actually do. Yeah, like she can't swoosh around a little bit more or do anything like that so that is why she can only move her arms yeah. and moving her arms reflects the most on the mirrors I suppose mm. but it, it just comes across really weird yeah. it's really weird even though they changed the music a bit and we knew that going into it we thought it was going to do well because it was in position 18 in the final on the night mm-hmm. 18 I think 18 or 19 is the best slot a lot of the winners have come from that slot yeah yeah, where did you think it came in the end out of 24, 25, 26? Oh, see, I've got a vague recollection of watching this and not having that, like, oh, this is good, and then watching the wheels fall off. I remember watching it going, oh, this is a lot. And then going, yeah, this is, yeah, that's correct. <laughs> oh, really? So I feel like it was near the bottom, but probably not that, not like zero. So I'm going to say 20? It was 15th. Oh, okay. So... For this period, it was good for the UK. Yeah, but not on the on the left hand side of the scoreboard, which is where it should have been. I think she was badly advised. Now, this wasn't just my experience of the performance. I went to do some UX training in Norway, <laughs> and it, it's I just let slip that I was a Eurovision fan during the training. And these two girls from Norway were like they were from a place called Kristiansand, and they just literally had just watched it, so it was just a, like a few days after. Mm. that I was there they knew I was from the UK and when it came up they looked embarrassed I'm like why do they look embarrassed and I was like oh it's because the UK always does shit and they were like well yeah that but also that mad girl you had right <laughs> they were really couldn't believe her her hands and her eyes yeah. and it was funny that their reaction was so extreme to the performance and that that made me realise oh god it wasn't just me being worried about that that's how it went over to the audience in Europe. There, it's almost like you're saying there is a charisma that people are marked on in the competition other than just the song. Absolutely there is, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that, that, is, that is what it is like, though, isn't it? You know? It is, and it's such a shame. Famously, Lucy Jones was in The X Factor. Do you know who she went out to when she went out in week five of her X Factor journey? Oh. Do you know... You know them. I know them. <laughs> yes. There's a Eurovision link as well. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. What? They also did Eurovision. Doesn't everyone that doesn't win X Factor No, not do at you? all. No. Very few, in fact. I didn't watch X Factor enough at this point, I don't no, think. No, but you know. <laughs> you know Give me, I don't think I went to. Give me a clue. <laughs> Potato. Well, it's not Louis Walsh. No, obviously not. It's the only Irish person you can think of. 
Jedward. Oh. <laughs> I should have known. It was one of those um, episodes. I, don't, I used to like... I didn't like X Factor by this point. I think it was barely the last series I watched. But it was that thing where it went to deadlock. And Ugh. Simon Cowell had the casting With, vote. Yeah, so he'd thrown it to the general public by... Yes, that was it. It was. It went to the... Yeah, that's it. He didn't have the casting vote yet. It went to deadlock, so that yeah. meant that, you know, yep. the public decided and they decided to keep... Of course, the general public decided to keep Jedward over Lucy Jones. <laughs> yeah. Another example of UK not voting for something correctly. No shock. <laughs> <laughs> we do love a bit of Jedward at Eurovision, though, don't we? Oh, yeah. Well, they're in the intro. <laughs> they are. We love them that much. We love them that much. Actually. Got my lipstick on. Here we go. <laughs> I would like to say, Lucy Jones is a brilliant singer. It's a pretty good song. I think it's a bit too demanding for that Eurovision audience. It's, it sounds quite. The person sounds quite broken, so it's it'd be hard to perform that in another in a different way. But the first version was better. I think she was misserved by the different version. I think there's moments of excellence yeah. in it. You know, like some of the um, sparkly graphics that yeah. they've got really emphasise the song and you know she doesn't drop a note in that and there's that one really big punchy note where they do the big camera zoom out and everything and she hits that and she comes back even fiercer Mm -hmm. but she's there in a gold dress the staging's good it's powerful she's a bit contained as you said yeah and I I think that containing her and trapping her in that one spot maybe meant she wasn't connected to the audience and the venue and the cameras and stuff like that so let's blame that you know, maybe we should. And you know it was a bunch of men sat in a room deciding that that ruined it all for her. Oh. <laughs> Undoubtedly. <laughs> so we're now going to go to our Bridesmaid Award, a song that came second in Eurovision. We're going back a few years to 2005, and this is the song Angel by Chiara, representing Malta. <laughs> Ever. 
So that was Kiara from Malta. What did you think of that? Had you heard that before? I know of Kiara. Yeah. And I know she's a bit of a Eurovision legend, but I've never heard of any of her songs before. She's probably the most famous person in Malta. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's like their god S. I can see why, though, because I remember watching a... She was on a panel show with Kaino, like, uh, a, a, you know, the, on the fringes okay. of Eurovision. Yeah. And she was just hilariously brilliant. Yeah. Like an auntie. Yeah, she would be. And, yeah. <laughs> so She's a national treasure. Yeah, I can see why she would be. Yeah. Yeah. Full name Chiara Siracusa, born September 76. She represented Malta in Eurovision three times, 1998, 2005, and in 2009. And is, in fact, the third most successful participant in Eurovision ever. Wow. Because this came second... And in the first attempt, she came third with the song, The One That I Love. Mm-hmm. Um, I think her final attempt in 2009, well, let's, let's not say final. Her latest attempt <laughs> in 2009 was with the song called what if, what if We, which I liked. And that didn't do well at all. I can't remember what position it was. No. So what about the staging and her performance uh, back in... So there is no staging. It's her on her own. Yeah. But that's. I think that's the really good thing about it because... Her voice is just so effortlessly perfect. Yeah. You know, it, it, she's one of those people that can sing without even trying, it looks like. So it's just, yeah, it just comes through. So it's just the, the voice. Yeah. And we realised watching this, you just kind of leaned in towards me and said, there's a lot of female soloists this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hold my hand up. I chose a lot of these songs. <laughs> and if you consider that Scamp from Lithuania was effectively the female soloist, mm-hmm. this episode, we think we've got our title. Solo's a go-go. <laughs> <laughs> Until the randomizer kicks in. Oh, yeah, and messes everything up. Mm. But, um, yeah, Kiara was expected to win. And yet, they put her in third place. Controversy. Third singing. Mm-hmm. No one ever's very few win from third. Mm. I think it has happened, but probably back years ago. She did brilliantly to come second from third place out of all the songs. Yeah. It was the year that Helena Paparuzzi won with My Number One, which I do love. Wow, okay, yeah. But apparently there was a study done on the voting, particularly this year, and there was so much block voting during this particular contest, um, Eastern Block and all that sort of stuff, that the study showed that Chiara really should have won, but the way the votings were grouped, that it was unfair. But I would say, more importantly than that, is the fact that she sang from third place, you know, mm. third position. That's the, your biggest handicap. I mean, look at Shimakas from Destiny. That should have, also Malta, that should have done much better, but she sang too early in the contest, I think, to get the votes. Mm. In my opinion. <laughs> wow. You going to climb down from that soapbox? <laughs> not any time soon. No <laughs> reason to have a podcast, That's really, is I'm going to die on. <laughs> have we got anything else to say about Kiara? Oh, yeah, you want to talk about when she hits that. Oh, yes. So, there's a moment when she hits that. When I'm losing all. No, I can't do it. No. But there's a bit where she suddenly starts tapping a microphone and she gets all... She does a little neck snap. She does, and she's getting all damn serious. It's like... Damn straight, this is how it is, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I like feisty. I like the feisty moment. <laughs> yes. That's yeah. very, very good. Yeah. Apparently she cried buckets when she didn't win Eurovision the first time round. Um, but she was facing up against Bloody Dana International in Himani. Oof, she did yeah. well to come third, I think, because it wasn't a great song. But this was a great song. I don't want to say it should have won, because I love my number one. And we've mm. danced to that mm-hmm. in clubs. <laughs> <laughs> and have enjoyed it. Yeah. And we wouldn't dance to this in a club. No, but if they put it on as they were like, Putting the lights on to kick everyone out, we'd have a good sway along to we it, would. wouldn't we? And possibly a bit of a snog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so thank you, Kiara, for the snogtastic angel. <laughs> so up next is the Juice Award. I need you to go to Eurovision. Can you remind me what the Juice Award is, Ryan? I don't know what it is, wow. so it would be great if you could tell me, once I stop talking, what the Juice Award <laughs> is. So the Juice Award is for a song that tried and failed to represent their country. country, And we're just showing them a bit of love. 
We are showing them a bit of love. Showing them a bit of love. And where are we going? I don't think we've been here before, have we? Which country is it this year? So this, this year. Time. This year. <laughs> this episode, we're off to Belgium. Huh? And we're doing something we never do in the podcast. We're playing a song from the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> I've kind of worked out that my least favourite Eurovision decade is the 90s, just through my lack of selection of songs from that period. Mm. But we're choosing an unusual song. <laughs> this came 10th in the national selection wow. final in Belgium in 1993. And it's called Gadour, and it's by Petra. So that was Gado, Gado, <laughs> something, something in Belgian Gado. Well, it's not Belgian, is it? It's either Walloon or it's French. But it definitely wasn't French. It must have been Walloon. Mm. Looks like Dutch to me, though. I don't know. I don't know anything. <laughs> Sorry, don't rely on me. But honestly, what a lot of fun. Yeah, so we've listened to that twice now. And we quite like it. <laughs> and it, it's a grower. Footloose, <laughs> footloose. It has a bit of that about it. And it's very 80s considering it's 93. Yeah, but, the, but I think the 80s went further into the 90s than anyone's ever willing to admit. Mm. Some people were not ready to let go of the 80s, were they? No, they weren't. And one person who was definitely not ready to let go of the 80s was Petra de Stua, as <laughs> I live and breathe. Also known professionally as La Sacra, for reasons I don't know. Probably means something else that's important. Anyway, another one of my, my 1972 fellow babies... Oh, yes. <laughs> another one of your sisters. Yes, let's say that. Born in Ghent in Belgium. And how many times has she appeared in the Eurovision Song Contest? Well, well, never. No. <laughs> Bless her heart. But she's tried five times. Five over three decades. That's, no. That's going to be that's gonna be something good. Yeah, three, three decades. decades. Brilliant. Go wow. Home. Although once only as a backing singer. But as a soloist, she sang Gadur in 1993, came 10th 
tenth. Mm. Sorry, rude. <laughs> then in 1999, she sang Dieppe in Mein Hude, which means deep in my skin, and came sixth. The backing singer one was called Reve, or Dream, and that came ninth. And she sang Wonderland as La Sacra and came second, second only to the famous, famously robbed Eurovision song from Belgium, Je t'adore, by Kate Ryan, that mm. didn't qualify from the semi-final. The most famous non-qualifier that should have probably won the whole thing. Wow. And most recently, in 2014, with the song Killer Touch, which didn't extend beyond the semi-final in the national selections in Belgium. So I feel like we're due to hear from her again soon then. It's about time, isn't it? <laughs> it's like she's circling the, the moon mm. or the sun or something and she'll come around she again. She'll rise again. Yes, she will. <laughs> we should also say that we saw Petra in a very weird excerpt from a film, a Belgian film called Gayland, <laughs> in which she, she appeared to be the mother of a son who was gay mm. and she was taking him with all his clothes and suitcases on a trip to Gayland. And when they arrived at Gayland... They sat with these people who asked him questions like, are you top or bottom? <laughs> but it was during the song. The yes. song acted the as song, the montage. And the song they used as man- montage was, <laughs> which means, come on, basically. Yeah. So she was encouraging him to go to Gayland and be more gay and own who he was, I think. Great. But unfortunately, Petrus decided to turn off comments on this YouTube video. <laughs> so we've got no idea what anyone thinks. My theory. Do you want to hear my theory? Go on then. My theory. My theory. Oh, he's clapping. <laughs> my theory is that Gardor is a secret, or not secret, maybe in Belgium only, is considered a classic of the genre and is loved by gay or just Eurovision fans in Belgium and they know it really well and they play it at all their parties and that's why... They thought, we must have this in this film, Gayland. Mm. Everyone remembers it. It's a, it's a banger. And it's well-loved in Belgium, but just not known beyond it. I don't want to break the illusion to you, but it did only have 3,000 views. 6,000, <laughs> wasn't it? I think it was 3,000. Wow. <laughs> Way to break my, my story in two. <laughs> Rude. Mm. So, can we please get Gardor out there more by Petra? Well, and also, I think it... The Gardor! Gardor! <laughs> Stick on your blue suede shoes. I can't remember what the word. I felt like it was a, quite a groundbreaking performance because it was so androgynous with these big yes. suits on, like gender fuckery. Gender fuckery going on on this day. <laughs> yes, on this day. Because <laughs> it was her and two backing dancers, yeah. and they had big like power suits, yeah. silver power suits, and sort of painted and then they had, yeah, white hair. Yeah. Sort of. What's the max? Max Factor? No, that guy that was a video... <laughs> oh, Max Headroom. Max Headroom, that sort of... Played by Matt Frewer. Also, Dr. Leakey in Orphan Black. <laughs> <laughs> Someone else who I've met in person got a signature because of his work wow. on Eureka and not Orphan Black. Rude. But that's a... He knows them all, everyone. I mean, he knows them all, listeners. Max Headroom, Michelle Gale. Yeah. <laughs> Just people who begin with M, apparently. Yep. Sadly, not Petra de Stur. We must make it our mission to meet Petra de Stur. And when we meet her, do you know what we're going to do? We're going to do the dance from Gardour. Oh, excellent. Yes, I've got it down. She'll join in. She will. She won't be able to resist. She won't have forgotten it. No. (laughs) It may be 29 years ago, but she'll be foot perfect. Mm -hmm. So the campaign to spread the word of Gardour. Gardour. And make it a a staple of every club everywhere. Yeah. Before we close the door on Gardour, do you see what I did there? Mm. Close the door. It still doesn't really work. Gardour. <laughs> Gardour. <laughs> and we must mention that the song that did represent Belgium in 1993 was called Le Monde Algige, or Algige, and it was sung by Barbara Dex. Why is that name familiar to us? Barbara Dex. Oh, yeah. Have you forgotten? No, I've not forgotten. <laughs> From the Barbara Dex Award. The Barbara Dex Award. Tell them about the Barbara Dex Award if they don't know. So the Barbara Dex Award was awarded, I don't know how, awarded to the worst dressed person of the competition yeah. by some shady people who were in the wings somewhere yeah. that decided this. I, I feel like Tix was the last person to win it. 
the very last person. Yeah. Because they've now, yes, taken away the award. It's not awarded anymore because it's felt like it's too mean. And I think it's right. I think named after a person, especially... Well, especially seeing as we saw her and she what didn't look that bad. No. At all. And like, she, to have an award named after you for like looking terrible, mm. you're gonna, that's gonna, horrible for her. Yeah. Or Barb's decks. Bob's Dex. Yeah. So we're glad the award doesn't exist anymore, but we're less glad about the fact that Bab's Dex did represent Belgium in 93 because, as we said, Petra de Ster with Gardor was far better. Mm, definitely. I'm still seeing it in my head. I am too. <laughs> I've got the little arm moves yeah. as well. Yeah. All of it. It's all there. I think the only thing that can break the spell for us... Uh-oh. Is it going to be the randomizer? It's the randomizer. Oh, no. <laughs> Are we feeling strong enough for the randomizer? No. We have no choice. We've got no choice. It's the seventh song of the episode. Let's hand over to the randomizer then. Okay. So first of all, we need to get the randomizer to choose a year between 1956 and 2022. Before I press the button, do you want to have a guess? Um, well, you've said you don't like the 90s, so I'm going to assume it's going to pick 91 just to piss you off. 91? <laughs> I think it's going to go early again. I think it's going to go for 65. Oh. <laughs> Right. Ever so early, it really is effing with us. It's gone really early, it's gone 59. Nine fifty-nine. Will it be a female soloist? Probably not, because it likes to mess with this. It'll be a male soloist. It likes to break. But it'll still be solos a go-go if it's a man, though. So, we need to find out how many songs were in 1959. Weirdly, in 1959, there were only 11 songs. That's that would have been a short like show. Very short. So, which will it be? I'm going to generate the song now. Song number 11, the last Closer. to perform on the night. What was it? Ooh, we're staying in Belgium. Oh, and it says the language was Dutch. And it looks really like the language of Gardour. So I think it was sung in Dutch. And I forget that there's Dutch singers in Belgium. So it was sung in Dutch. I'm saying that now, definitely. So this was Bob Benny singing Hutok van Mielsch. Or Mielsch. <laughs> Zoveel als de bloem van zonneschijn houdt. Teder omdat de zon haar ontluiken doet. Houd toch van mij zoveel als de ster van duisternis houdt. Eeuwig omdat het duister haar stralen doet. Liefste, houd toch van mij zoveel als de vlam zich echt aan het hoofd. Hevig op dat het vuur feller laaien So he closed the show back in 1959. That was Bob Benny with 
Hortok van May. I said it wrongly before. I know how to say it now. That's how quickly I learn. But what position did he come in 1959? Out of 11? Yeah. Sixth. Yes. <laughs> really? You are so good at this. <laughs> Weirdo. Let's find out a bit more about Bob Benny. I'm sure there's much to say. After a very short hiatus, we're back with some <laughs> Bob Benny facts. What you got? Emilius Vagemans. He's a Belgian singer, musical theatre performer. He didn't perform at Eurovision just once, you know. Oh. Twice. Twice. What position did he come when he came back in 61? Sixth in 59. What position did he come in 61? Seventh. Joint last. Oh, no. <laughs> It didn't get any better for Benny, sadly, but he did have a successful career. He had further hit singles in 1963, including Var en Vanier and Alain de Jus. And he became a musical theatre performer and played in many, many long-running shows in Belgium and Germany. He had a very hard R sound when he sang, he liked he? To, he liked to roll his R's, didn't he? He did. It was quite, felt quite German to me. So I hear he was in German theatre. <laughs> no, it did sound like that sort of that hard German... I feel like you're just because you can't roll your R's. So So I'm calling it German. Yeah, just, yeah. Wow. Tell them about the staging, Ryan. Oh, I'm assuming that was carpet on the stairs. (laughs) (laughs) Giant orchestra pit. Yeah. Giant orchestra. He was kind of like an afterthought, wasn't he? He was up at the top right. There's one point in the shot, his head wasn't even in shock because it was more important Mm. to show the band, wasn't it? Bless his heart. Benny had financial difficulties in 2001. He suffered a stroke, fell into financial difficulties. There was a benefit concert on his behalf. He did celebrate his 80th birthday in 2006. He died 11 years ago in 2011. Other interesting fact about him, he came out very late in life as gay in 2001. Yay. Yay. Hooray for him. Impossible to do that in 1959. Oh, very much, I would imagine. Yeah, or a long time after that. So it's a very Belgian end to the show. We've had Gardour. We've had mention of another one, Barbara Dex from Belgium. Mm -hmm. And we've also had... you know, Bob Benny closing the show then, and he's closing the show again. I know he's not, though, because we've got Telex, also from Belgium, (laughs) who do our end theme. Yeah, there we go. Very Belgian. But yeah, no, you're right. Let's say that Bob Benny is closing the show. Oh, and where, where do we land on our... Do we add him to the playlist or not? I don't think we do. It was a bit hard. I'm going to assume it's probably not on Spotify anyway. (laughs) Quite possibly. We hope you enjoyed Solo's A Go-Go. Many classics, a few new songs. If you're not bopping along to Gardour yet, just rewind. (laughs) You will be be soon. Check out the dance moves on YouTube. Worth getting those down, isn't it? They're not hard. They're not hard. (laughs) So, together, after three. One, two, three. God door, God door, kick off your Sunday shoes. <laughs> but of course we can't go without mentioning our socials. On Instagram, we are Eurovision Queens. Mm-hmm. On email, you can message us and ask us to play something on the podcast. Or just say something nice to us. Or just ask us a question. We'll answer it. That's how nice we are. You can email us at eurovisionqueens at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And we're also on the Twitters, are we not? We are, but we... that one's a bit different. And I forget which one it is. It's Euro <laughs> Queen's Pod. Right, that's yes. it. Yes, see? I've got it all in here in yeah, me noggin. locked in. So, until we meet again, I've been Andy. And I've been Ryan. We are the Eurovision Queens. Bye. Bye. Bye.